Welcome to episode two of First Aid Unbox with Louise Maidley from Maidley's First Aid Plus. Right then, this week we're going to get you to explain this thing you told me about some time ago, which is plumbing, electrics and mechanics. That's your body in a nutshell, isn't it? Yes, it is. So tell me about tell me about what the three things are and then how they're all interconnected. Okay, so I'm sitting here with my, I've got a, um, a model of a heart because I just find it easier to, to look at it when I'm talking to people as a rule. Um, so you've got your heart, you've got your brain, you've got your joints, etc. These are three completely different systems, but they're all interrelated. So the brain is very much the electrical system. Um, so if you know how the basic electrical wiring works in your house or in anywhere, then you can get an idea of what the brain does. So it's all about sending electrical impulses around the body. The heart, on the other hand, is your plumbing. It's a pump. It's a complex pump, if you want to go into very, very graphic detail about the heart, but you don't need to. You just need to know that that is the pump that pushes everything around your body in order for you to get your nutrients and to sustain life. To be alive, your heart has to pump and it pumps the blood all the way around the body. Okay, so that's your plumbing. Um, thirdly, we talk about mechanics because you have your joints, you have your skeletal system or you know, your skeleton. And when that becomes defunct, your mechanics are a problem. And they all work together. You can't have one without the other. So the electrical system, the brain will send an impulse to the heart. Um, it sends it to the atrium, which is one of the the chambers up the top, sends an electrical impulse across it, and then you get the first heartbeat where it goes boom. Then it moves to uh, the lower ventricle and you get a second heartbeat going boom, and it's done by electrical impulse. So as long as it's firing to those two parts of the heart, um, you will get a heartbeat that goes ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. So when you listen to your heart, it's not going boom, 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 boom. It's going ba-boom, ba-boom. Boom! That's what you're hearing. You're hearing two different parts of your heart pumping, basically. One will pump, push the blood to the other one. The other one will pump. That one then pushes it around the body. But it's all done through electrical impulses. So if you're talking about a heart attack, you are talking about one of those coronary arteries or the, the vessel um, of the plumbing system um, becoming blocked and stopping anything going into that pump and pumping it around your body. That's a heart attack. It's a blockage in your plumbing. On the other hand, a cardiac arrest is when you're not getting that electrical impulse going to that bit of the heart or going to any part of the heart. And the heart, it isn't actually that it stops. If it flatlines and it just shows a, a line on an ECG, somebody has turned the machine off. It's that simple. It doesn't do that. It actually comes up with a funny rhythm, an electrical rhythm that tells you that that heart is not pumping effectively. And it's the fact that it's not pumping effectively that's the problem, not that it's actually physically stopped, which is significant when you start talking about defibs and the reason you do CPR. So when the heart does effectively stop, as we call it, then that's when you need to do CPR very quickly. That's a cardiac arrest. You need to pump that blood around yourself. And that's what doing CPR is. 
It's just getting that pump to continue working until you can get a defibrillator on it, which will send an electrical shock through. And then you can, in the meantime, you get the paramedics coming and, and they go into advanced care. So okay. your brain is still sending the electrical signals through. They're just not connecting and it's not yeah. working in the, in the right order, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the, the CPR does is, is it reminds the body that it's that's what it's supposed to be doing at the correct time. Not really. All it's doing is you're doing CPR, so you're pushing down on the chest. And by doing that, you are mechanically moving the blood Oh, so around. you're doing the, the yeah. job of the muscles in the heart. Yeah. Right, okay. You are keeping it pumping whilst you're waiting for somebody to come and help. That's why it's so important, because the minute that heart isn't pumping blood around, you've only got a very short time before the brain starts to die from what we call hypoxia or when there's no oxygen getting around the body. You need that, that pump to move the oxygen in the blood around the body. So look at the electrical impulses. So every movement that I make and every movement you have, that's all electrical impulses from the brain. Yeah. So if I'm moving my fingers or yep. and, and talking to you because my mouth is moving, obviously, yep. that's all electrical work. Electrics are behind it. You also have chemicals and so on, which is mm. how your, your nerves work. Um, so it's all related to your nerves. But it starts with an electrical impulse and then it, it moves into more complex. But all you need to know really is that the electric system determines everything that happens in your body and how it works. So... Let's let's look at the plumbing then. Look at look at blood. That is the way that all, everything is carried around you. By the way, it's oxygen or nutrients or anything. All that stuff is is carried around using the blood. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. If you think of blood as nothing more than a carrier system, that's all it does. Same in your boiler, where you've got water and it'll push it around the radiators. It's purely there to carry stuff around. So you've got your plasma, which is a sort of translucent color, really. And that is the carrier. You then have your blood cells, your red blood cells, I should say, which has your hemoglobin, which has your um, your oxygen sitting on it. You've got your white cells, which you need for infection. You've got your platelets. Be nice if things clot. And that's when you get into bleeding and so on. And it carries all your nutrients and everything that your body needs around the body, all the way through from um, your arteries, you've got your veins, and then you've got your capillaries, which filter into your skin. So, so they're like the twigs on a tree, the capillaries. Yeah, it's exactly like the branches going down into twigs on a tree. And, and what's the difference between an, art an artery and a vein? Quite simply, artery has all the oxygen blood, so it carries the oxygen around. The vein takes it away, so it has the non-oxygenated blood. There's oh, no so oxygen it's, in it. it's almost like a one-way system then. Yeah, and in it, they've got valves. So these little valves push it around. So... If you stand on your head, you're not going to stop getting blood to your ankles, for example, that are up in the air. That doesn't happen. It will go a little bit paler, but it won't stop working. You will still get blood pumped around and it'll happen through these valves that keep pushing through each, each vessel. So it can go one way, but can't go back the other way. That's the idea. Yeah. So let's then look at muscles. Now, are muscles part of the mechanical system or are they part of the electrical system? They are the mechanical system, um, but they are triggered by the electrical system and by nerves. So the brain is what determines everything that your muscles do. So if you have a disruption in the brain for any reason, you may have trauma, for example, you've been hit over the head, had a car accident, your head has been hurt, that can stop 
the electrical impulse is firing. And as a result, you can become unconscious. Nothing will work. The reason nothing's working is because you've had compression or uh, a head injury that has stopped your electrical system from working. And then when we look at the mechanical system, so the muscles move the bones around because they're assume they're attached. Kind of, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, when you say kind of, then what? what? Explain, please. <laughs> You've got tendons and ligaments and they are attached through these tendons and ligaments. So, you know, when somebody says, oh, they've got really bad tendonitis, for example, itis, the word itself, it actually just means inflammation of. So something's swollen. So, yeah, you've got a swelling around your tendon. Hence, when you go to move your arm, if that's where you've got it, tennis elbow, perfect example. It's actually a form of tendonitis. You've got swelling in that area and therefore it, it hurts when you move your muscles and you move your bones. And that's the tendons. It's not necessarily the joint itself. Not necessarily, no. Because, I, I mean, I've got, I've got, I used to play a lot of sport when I was younger yeah. Nobody explains it when you play a sport when you're younger, your knees get very bad when you're older. Oh, yes. <laughs> so so that could be a number of things, I assume. Um, it can. So you've got a, a joint, which is like a, a, a ball joint, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A, a ball piece of bone fits into a cup piece of bone. How are they held together? Is there ligaments and tendons that hold them together? Yeah, and exactly. how do they not wear each other out, basically? Well, that's the thing. As you become older, that's exactly what does happen. These bones do become worn out after time. It's wear and tear. And that's when some people have um, osteoarthritis, for example, and and other mechanical problems. And a lot of the time it is down to wear and tear. Unfortunately, yes. And I did the same thing when I was younger, did an awful lot of sport. And now I've got a friend who has done no sport in their entire life, just started doing some running and have the most perfect knees you can imagine. It's typical. I'm very, needs- I'm very jealous. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're building themselves up slowly, doing it properly and have no problems with their knees and are, are exercising fantastically. Me, on the other hand, currently looking like I'm 90 years old <laughs> when it comes to running. <laughs> um, just because my knees are completely shot from especially doing hockey um, and all that sort of bouncing around on a hockey field. So, so what, what happens to your knees? Is it the the, the, um, the padding between the two bones starts to wear away? Can do. So the the cartilage, isn't it? Yeah. Like that yeah. Yes. Yeah. So is that, that the sort of thing that happens? It can be. There's a multitude of reasons why you get injured. Knees are actually extremely complex pieces of kit, which is why with orthopedic surgeons, you usually find that they are specialist in that one area. They can spend a whole career just working on knees. They are extremely complex. When it comes to injuring it in a first aid point of view, though, you are looking for obvious signs of swelling. Hence, itis is just down to swelling. And what's the best thing to do when you need to reduce swelling, um, which generally is cold therapy? Yes, you could take an ibuprofen, for example, um, an anti-inflammatory to bring the swelling down. But we talk about rice or price, uh, which is protect, rest, ice, compression, elevation is what you need to do. So we call it price. And if you ever go into A&E and you've hurt a a limb, then you'll get a little leaflet saying price. Um, Protect, rest it, preferably for around 48 to 72 hours um, if you can. Put ice on it, not straight onto the skin, wrap it in something first, then apply the ice to whatever's swollen. Compression, you can use a compression stocking, for example, I tend to shy away from those because I often find that people will favour that 
limb um, if they've got a bandage on it that isn't necessarily needed to be there. But it can reduce swelling to a certain degree. What does the compression bandage actually do medically? It's supposed to reduce swelling to a certain degree. Just uh, by and pushing help. everything back together again? Yeah, or? but actually it, it's I don't find it very functional at all. And certainly speaking to a lot of um, people in A&E and orthopaedic consultants and so on, they tend to shy away from it and say no, because you're stopping the normal function of that joint, yeah. so to speak. You start favouring it. You're not moving it as much. Actually, the best thing that you can do is, is very gentle, passive movement. The same movement that you would normally do day in, day out, just doing it passively and very slowly and gently. Um, and it will it will heal. And what does the Elevate thing do? What's that designed for? Again, you're talking about getting rid of, um, of swelling for a, a limited period of time. If it is clearly go with knees, if you've got clear swelling to your knee, get it checked over, make sure that you don't have a, a fracture there. Um, once you know it's soft tissue, then just elevating it, preferably above your hip, so that it's going to be above your heart level and it will just help with venous return. It'll help bring that swelling down. It just moves things around the body yeah, a little so more effectively. Ba- basically gravity helping you out. You've got it. Excellent. And swelling, is swelling a, um, a build-up of fluid in that particular area? Yeah. If you think your, your body's an incredible thing, especially when it's injured, and it will look after itself, that's what your your system is about. It's about protecting itself. So you will instantly, if you cut yourself, for example, you will get platelets going straight to that area. The brain goes, oh, no, I've got damage to myself. I felt pain. I know there's damage there. And it will head straight to that injury. And causes and starts the clot And then process. it starts clotting. Yeah. What you don't want to do is anything that's going to interfere with your body's natural response. So the fact that you've got swelling, it's actually there for a purpose. So you don't necessarily want to do everything you can to get rid of that swelling immediately because actually all you're doing is making it more possible for you to use that limb and then you go and carry on a normal day because you're no longer in pain, there's no swelling there and you feel as though everything's okay, but actually it's still damaged. Can you make things worse? Yes. You can. So it's almost like putting a sticking plaster on but not actually dealing with the problem. Absolutely. You're giving (laughs) yourself full range of movement when actually it is still injured and the reason it's stopping you from from walking on it and you're getting pain is because something's damaged. Yeah, pain is a message, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. People tend to take a tablet, say that got rid of the pain and carry on as normal. The pain is there sending a message for a reason. Something's damaged. Something's not right. It's something that obviously, uh, I mean, I'm a football fan and and I've been a football fan since the 1970s. I'll forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) But you you, you see uh, stories of of players from the 70s being given painkilling injections into their knees and they carry on playing. But of course, all that doing is causing much, much longer term damage. Absolutely. Permanent damage. If somebody's injured themselves and they have steroid injections on the field, for example, all you're doing is delaying the problem. The problem hasn't changed. It's still there. You're just getting rid of the messages that the brain is getting or sending for a reason. Your knee, for example, is sending pain messages because it's hurt itself and it's telling you not to use it. You so so they're making that. the injury worse. Yeah, which is why we say rest, ice. Rest is there at the top for a reason. Nice compression and elevation. So we've looked at the, basically the three systems that make up the way the body works, which when you first explained it to me, I thought that all becomes so, so clear, which is hopefully what we're doing on this podcast as well. Let's, 
let's get one takeaway for this podcast. If if there was one thing, so we talked about the heart and heart attacks. What's the one thing that you can do to make your heart healthier or to stop it getting any less healthy? Yeah. The thing with the heart and with the body itself, it's about prevention. It's always about prevention. In first aid, we're dealing with something that has already occurred and putting a sticky plaster on it, so to speak, and stopping things from getting any worse until the qualified medical professionals get to us. That's what first aid is about. But actually, you need to start long before then and you need to look at prevention. So when you're talking about the heart, um, really you're talking about preventative measures. So having a healthy diet, having a balanced diet as much as anything. You don't have to eat healthy food every second of your life. Um, There's no reason why you can't have treats, but you have it as part of a balanced diet. Um, Getting exercise is fantastic, not just for your heart and your blood pressure. It's fantastic for every part of you. It's actually one of the few things that can halt depression, for example, in its tracks. Having exercise, you can't be depressed and get exercise at the same second. So just the fact that you are out and moving your body, the depression will relieve because of chemicals in your brain. You've got endorphins going, which counteract depression. You know, so that's why it's so fantastic for your mental health. And it doesn't have to be going for, you know, you don't have to be running a marathon or training for a marathon. It's as simple as move your body. Just get outside into nature and move your body will help with heart health will help with risk factors so yeah it's it is really lifestyle factors okay so i i know you 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 do um open water swimming don't you quite a bit in the <laughs> <do>. mornings <laughs> you're much braver than me but i've been taking the dog for a walk and things like that i assume yes. are all part of that process absolutely brilliant yeah. brilliant Okay. If people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? What's your email address? My email is enquiries at madeleysfirstaidplus.co.uk or my website is madeleysfirstaidplus.co.uk. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that, Louise. Thank you very much for that, for that insight and that information. If you do have any questions, then get in contact with Louise. You can also contact us via the um, 1386 website, 1386.com. You can listen again there or any other time to any of the podcasts that were done. And we're going to be doing a whole series all about uh, first aid and your health. We'll be back next time with uh, our next episode. And we're going to be talking about cuts, basically. Cuts and how to deal with them. Uh, There's a whole process that you can go through, which will make it much, much better and much quicker healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about next time is cuts. Uh, Until then, stay healthy and uh, we will speak to you again very soon indeed. This is a 1386 audio production. 